audio had exponential growth these last four years. I mean, there's just the power. It, it used to be su supportive of video. And um, I think back to like Spielberg and, and Dolby and like some of the original advances that happened in the beginning part of my life, it seemed dormant up until these last four. So um, what, a, what a cool time to be in audio. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my conversation with Vinnie Podestivo. My next guest is an Emmy award-winning brand advisor with a 25-year track record of guiding personal brands and founder-led businesses to new heights through strategic content distribution, brand visibility, and media reach. As an advocate for independent creators, he hosts LinkedIn Presents I Have a Podcast and serves as the editor-in-chief of IHaveAPodcast.com, the number one source for creative and career inspiration. He also shares valuable creator economy business strategies, insights, and experiences with co-host Judy Fox on Podcast to Profit. His name is Vinny Podestivo, and he has quite a lot to say about how to tell a good story and how to improve the chances of discoverability for your podcast. He's a fun guy to talk to, too. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And if you're getting some value from listening, feel free to spread that around and share it with a friend, along with leaving an honest review. Both of those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my conversation with Vinny Podestivo. Oh, yeah. Now that you got me on the stage, y'all. <laughs> You're me, not going anywhere. Let me be yeah. very clear about my intentions <laughs> at PodFest were to meet people. Because uh -huh. if I look for business, then I would have to find business and then look for the people to do it with afterwards. If I if I could look for the the alchemy of the project, the people who who when something, the phone call comes, mm -hmm. I know I'm in the right place, right time, because I'm surrounded by the right people. Yeah. And Jody, you're like living proof of this <laughs> philosophy and concept of like networking and how I just, how I can like, I don't know, create my own version, my own energy so I can be fruitful and, and sure. in my own confined space and my rules, my way. We have the freedom to do that now. So thank we you. Do. I, I love that we have the freedom to do that. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about podcasts is it just the individualized approach that everyone has. And there's, yeah. there's no right way. There's no, there is a right way. There's a lot of right ways, actually. Yes. There's a lot of wrong ways too. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, your audience votes with, with the right mm -hmm. ways, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's the audience you develop that gives you the right ways. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? It's like hindsight, right? 2020 when, when all of a sudden, well, that's what it takes. It takes a performance to get mm -hmm. a reaction. It takes a show to build an audience. So that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah totally. I'm okay with does. that. That's, I recently heard they're bringing back um, you know, sort of like Jurassic Park, they're bringing back the dodo bird. Have you heard this yet? Uh, like geneticists no? and scientists have figured really? out that the dodo bird is, there's enough information 
because it's not too long ago that we can do that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and the woolly mammoth. These are the two animals that they're talking about, by the way. Okay. I can't wait to see which comes first with the dodo bird, the ch- the, the egg <laughs> or the bird. Like I'm so excited to put that test to rest finally. <laughs> I think they're trying to figure that one out too, right? Like I was nice. like, Dota Bird, that sounds cool. But like, again, wow. it's just the space of creating. The, the fact that we, as creativists, can create our own, you know, set of rules and, and boundaries to be successful. Science is expanding the same way. Oh, we yeah. just experienced that these last few years, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I talk about sound, right? Oh, yeah. Science oh, sure. has taken this in leaps and bounds, and, and we are psychological creatures. And so sound has a really big importance to us. And yeah. And I think that over the years, that's kind of been lost because of all the video and the visual and all of this stuff being front and center and not to not to downplay that at all. That's also important. You know, our eyes are important. Yeah. But as far as sound is concerned, like that's an evolutionary thing that has kept us alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well, not only the sight. <laughs> <laughs> congrats. But I feel like saying congrats to you on behalf of, as you represent all the professional audience. What what? In the last five, I've been in TV for 25 years and I've Mm -hmm. seen television, cable, digital cable, premium cables, and and it sort of felt like slow and steady growth. Mm -hmm. The digital space right now with the, the, the pluses and the maxes and all, that's exponential growth. Yeah audio had exponential growth these last four years. I mean, there's oh, yeah. just the power. It, it used to be su- supportive of video. Mm-hmm. And um, I think back to like Spielberg and, and Dolby and like some of the original advances that happened in the beginning part of my life. Yeah. It seemed dormant up until these last four. So um, what a what a cool time to be it in is... audio. It makes sense yeah. for all of us to finally be attracted to podcasting as business-minded people who want to own our content and leverage it for an audience. What a, what a cool opportunity. It totally does. Yeah. We all start from somewhere, though. So I want to ask oh. you this question before we get too yeah. far ahead. <laughs> I love that. Do you have an early memory of how sound moved you? Oh, yeah. I wanted to be a Foley artist. Fully. Oh, really? From oh, like a oh, little, little kid? Little kid. Uh, <laughs> okay. a, a gaffer or a Foley artist. Those were the two things that I wanted to be. I would yeah. read the credits. Oh, Foley art, it, artistry was, I, I can still sit there and just watch the mastery that comes with supporting um, video, to, to be really honest. I think some yeah. of it as an early creator, because we didn't have great microphones on cameras. Um, I did know how to plug in uh, uh, sound cords into the VCRs and get wired to VCRs to do some like fancy editing and dubbing. Oh, so over. somebody could get you to stop that flashing nine 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 January first <laughs> thing, right? That was okay, me. you that yeah. was you. They call the, you. Okay. So <laughs> I want you to, the, the the tech space and creativity has been interesting to me um, because that was my entry in. I'm like mm-hmm. a I'm like an Excel spreadsheet guy, and I ended up. <laughs> figuring out how to run a, a talent database that led me into organizing casting opportunities. That is where I got trained to be in talent development. And then because wow. of where I was at MTV, you know, having inventory to a network or, or 
dozens of MTV networks during the time that I was there. Like that was exponential growth in TV. Sure. But I want. How, so, how did you? How did you get to MTV though? Like, oh, there's I was a trying lot to be a Foley, I was trying to be a Foley artist. <laughs> so uh, here I am on Staten Island. There's, the, mm-hmm. I think we had the the Staten. They just changed the name, but it, but when I was growing up, it was the Staten Island Basic Access Channel. Okay. And I was I volunteered as a junior in high school. I was on the other side of the island, so I had a. It started off with parents taking me there, and then I ended up taking the bus an hour back and forth but I loved learning the control room I loved learning the switchboard um you know I learned tv my 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 years like so if I'm uh, 93 if I'm a a junior in high school to 98 is when I graduate 99 is when I graduated college Napster uh file trading uh you know digitizing of our discs on computers I mean I was, I was, I saw music and I saw video as files and I knew that I could move it. So not only was I the person who had to fix, you know, the the controls on the screen, but I could get all your photos scanned in so you can have your first photo, you know, okay. your first profile photo or, um, that and, used uh, to be really hard. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. I mean, it start, you needed equipment to yeah. be able to do that. I, and I, I chose my college, Wagner college. I chose my college because it had, um, a computer center that was robust that they had really invested in. And I spent hours and I got a job oh, yeah. my freshman year there and I spent hours MIDI. You know, I remember being in high school and we're using MIDI audio for rehearsals for our spring oh. musicals for Greece and Pippin. Wow. <laughs> like, so, so audio for me and, and especially as audio was applied to theatrical performances because I really wanted to be a Broadway producer. Like if you asked me as a kid around this age now, what are you going to do with all this TV work? It was just so I could be a Broadway producer. That was like, I don't know. What a weird, you don't need TV skills to be in Broadway. You need people skills and money skills and creative skills to be to be on Broadway. But in New York, everything for me happened in Times Square. And that was how the mind was wired. And TV, the advent of TV just really blew up. And then, and then of course, you know, in 84, MTV gets introduced and what, seven or eight when that when that got launched, and I think I was maybe 15 when we finally got cable that I could watch, you know, these masterpieces. By then, they were masterpieces of communication. And I could I could <laughs> make a Duran Duran playlist and give it to a friend as my way of saying, hey, I'm gay, this is me, and these are my tastes. You know, I can put so much energy into the nuance of creating around music. Sure. Um, Happy Meals used to have little discs, like records. We used to come back with records. I so like. I loved it. I loved audio. (laughs) Audio was the one thing that I could bring into my home for Thanksgiving Day family shows, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's time to put those on. Sure. um, And I always make fun of my brother, Joey. Um, I love you so much, Joe. But we used to be in his room and we'd have to be quiet when he was recording the radio because we didn't know if it recorded audio in the room or the radio. So just (laughs) it was so fascinating. And I, I did not have access to a video camera as a child. I did mm-hmm. not have a radio the way that I have a camera and I, or a TV screen that I can manipulate video. So audio for me, audio for me was gigantically impactful. Also, I'm thinking of Bob, Bobcat Goldweight, like the oh my God. police yeah. academy, like the sounds, <laughs> all the, you know, all the unique ways that people stood out. I was mm-hmm. so, I, was, I have an ear for it. Um, I don't know if there's maybe you know the term. I, I have an ear for like the music, the words, 
Like, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm bit, exactly like, the now? same way. Yeah. <laughs> I do performances sometimes, very rarely. I'm a singer. So I do performances with a nine piece band once a year. Wow. And every time we're on the stage, I need an iPad. I, I have to look at my lyrics. <laughs> yeah. I can remember the tune and everywhere I'm supposed to come in with harmonies and all of that stuff. Like I don't need notes at all. I don't read a note of music. So I can oh, wow. memorize all that. That I have in my head, but there's no room for the lyrics. <laughs> wow. You you just threw me back because now I'm thinking about how I harp on music in, in fourth grade, unfortunately, um, because my parents made some decisions about drugs that had nothing to do with me. I got to experience rehab as a young child to see what parents were like in rehab and be an Al-Anon and Alateen and and I remember um, just sitting down, creating content and trying to figure out what trying to figure out how to express myself, um, how to get content out there. I love the idea of, of being a musician and I wanted to be a musician so bad. And at in fourth grade, they give you the test for music. And I got just the way it was explained to me. I think I thought low notes were high notes because to me, they're on like the left side of the keyboard. So if you take the, you know, if you kind of turn it this way, then left is higher and, and the high notes are kind of lower. And I kind of had it back. I had it completely backwards. And um, so long story short, you know, I was told that I didn't have musical talent and that really upset me because I, I wanted that outlet, not more so than basketball after school. I wanted sure. to be a band. That's oh, and, such an awful thing to do to a oh, kid yeah. though. And I, but I, you know what? I self-taught, I didn't quite know actual what the notes were called, but yep. I self-taught myself to sight sing. Yep. And I didn't realize this until maybe a few years ago. I ended up getting a scholarship at Wagner College for vocal performance. I too, like a little tenor myself. Um, but that I never considered that as a success. I thought that that was just like, oh, you know, you got a scholarship and I went to college and that's what you're supposed to. I got a scholarship in the thing I was told I wasn't great at. And I had to sit back and just so yeah pat yourself on the back for that because that's pretty awesome I yeah it stop me you know <laughs> yeah I don't let that passion stop me I, I yeah. create space for it I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast like Elaine Grant who called the show insightful practical eye-opening as a veteran public radio producer and host, she says, and now an entrepreneur running a podcast consultancy, I thought I knew about the world of audio. Truth is, I knew just a small slice of this big and important world. I've learned so much from every episode. I need to re-listen and furiously take notes. I can't recommend audio branding highly enough. Thank you for taking the time to leave your comment, Elaine. It means so much to me. And now, back to the show. It's all about creating your own space. Yeah, yeah, I remember when I was in high school, I was not in the music program because I didn't read music and mm -hmm. I didn't really want to read music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't really like I uh, the whole idea of it. No, I'm, no I, class I, and yeah, training. Yeah, and, no, yeah. <laughs> no. But but I was and I was involved in other things. But but I remember that the jazz teacher um, approached me to join the after school program for music, and I was doing all of the really complicated like harmonies and such for the alto 
um, section wow. in a four in a quartet, right? Yeah. And the alto has no bearing on the melody. Like no. it's like it doesn't yeah. have anything to do with the melody. Yeah. It's all about supporting everyone else. And the only way that I could learn this was by my teacher plonking out the notes on a keyboard on a piano recording them and sending me home with a tape to memorize mm -hmm. I <laughs> and that. i memorized them and that was how i was in the quartet oh and, my gosh i have by the yeah. way i have a shoebox of tapes that like we're always like should we digitize these i was like no one needs to listen to those <laughs> yeah. me singing sweeney todd for 10 hours that <laughs> I mean, the musicals oh. were different back then, you know, and then yeah. until Rent came out, the musicals were very different. So, <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah. Um, but that's fascinating. So, so, so from you, so from music and then, um, you know, MTV, MTV was culture for me, which I liked. And I, I sure. appreciated that I had younger siblings. So when I got to MTV, that was like kind of neat because my siblings thought that that was important. And like, though, that was sort of like where I was getting my, my, um, <laughs> the, those two were who I was looking at, at, you know, seeing if I was doing the right, right thing in the world. In the world. Uh, I got to support Celebrity Deathmatch, which was an, an animated show um, in casting. And I came up with this concept of instead of having in-person, oh, maybe you might, I wonder if you would like this. I came up with this concept of having non-in-person castings because for we used to have in-person castings for voiceover. And I just didn't understand why we would need to see only 20 people in a day when we can give people a hotline number. They can call in, leave their voices, leave their number. Like almost like I wanted it to be when you're ready, not when you have to be ready. For an audition, if I can give you the space and grace to when you're there, call us. Because that's going to give me what I need to my producers and to the casting director that I was working with back then um, versus all the nerves that come into casting. So as you talk about yeah. audio, that was really, and I just became, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a little bit of a artist and talent and actor, and I had some taste of that, but I think I brought that with me on this side of the table to make sure this the room was set up. Like it was an inclusive setup, not mm -hmm. like a, how do we react to this and how do I best support you based on what you're not getting, but how do I make sure those pieces are, are all there? And when you're a great listener, that job becomes suddenly easier. So I, I had to learn to be a great listener. Again, special skill, coping mechanism. Thanks mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> coping yeah. mechanisms, hearing Maybe things not that are you being wanted, said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turn superpowers. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. You know? Make it work for you. Even yeah. in an interview, you know, I would, I, I've cast many reality shows, uh, uh, housewives and, mm -hmm. and hours and hours on Bravo and, and all over. Uh, and people would tell stories and I'm like, but you're telling the story about someone who did something wrong to you. I understand that you're over it, but you're laughing throughout the entire story. So I don't understand if you, if, if I'm not watching this and let's pretend that our executives aren't watching video, most likely they're hearing it. How am I going to get that emotion across if, if we're laughing about what happened as opposed mm -hmm. to like getting back into that moment getting angry again and then coming out of it and showing where you, where you are today. So even then I think of how I used and leaned on sound to even develop story arcs and story engines and plot lines and all these like unscripted reality shows. Um, because yeah. I come from a point in time where TV, where they would say, we want the loudest voice. And you know, what's louder than anything? Silence. 
if done right, if done right. That, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Silence right? can definitely be used to advantage in that kind yeah. of a case. Yeah. It makes you stand out when everyone else is just trying to be louder. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure that there are lots of ways that, you know, being softer is used in advertising, for instance. I know that there are some advertisers, I just interviewed someone, who use ASMR oh, yeah. in their advertising in oh, order wow. to get the, grab that attention. Yeah, well, look, now there's science and data about that, right? Yeah. There's, there's performative data that we can see actually makes an impact for certain audiences, so. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. as long as there's data about our creative <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but you know what? That's what the influencers did right that us creators are struggling with. Facebook and Instagram, they did a good job at telling businesses what was quote unquote successful and what wasn't and in many different metrics. And so I'm just, I'm excited. <laughs> All that to be said, you know, creators on those platforms have very different types of rights than, you know, um, audio pe people in the audio world of podcasting who have a hundred percent autonomy mm -hmm. of, of the content that we're creating. Yeah. Now you had told me when we spoke before that MTV passed on the original RSS. Oh, yeah, that's so funny. So <laughs> well, I, I guess it's funny. Or I just it's, had to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny or it's not funny. Like, uh -huh. I don't even know how to I don't even know how to say that. But Adam Curry. So Adam Curry was, was, you know, a big DJ on MTV, one of the original DJs. And Adam Curry actually bought MTV.com. And there's a big lawsuit in 19 in 2001, I think it was Adam Curry versus MTV, where MTV then wanted MTV.com back. Um, I was as a staff member, I went from Vinnie Potestivo dot at, at MTV.com to at MTV staff.com. I remember them saying we're a TV network. Why would we ever need a website? Like, what is the website have to do with the TV network when you can just turn on a TV and not have to go to the website? So I was at the network when that was happening. Um, we didn't buy MySpace. Wow. You know, there was, it was very interesting, you know, about that world. RSS, you know, the simple, really simple syndication, the structure of audiophile, user, individual approach, you know, was developed by, uh, was developed by Adam Curry. And it, it was something that, he, again, I think MTV, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, MTV sure did play an impactful role role in music and and amplified music. But what it didn't do is get into the business of music, even the same way YouTube has gotten into the business of music. Oh, By yeah. the way, all of the heads of music over at YouTube were everyone that I worked with at MTV. So like you know, like it's like a, <laughs> okay, everyone, you know everybody. It okay. came, well, it came. <laughs> I'll say this at Viacom. So Viacom MTV from ninety eight to 07, we didn't or oh five. We didn't have production companies creating our content. We did it ourselves. Like uh, mm -hmm. I, I worked on the first season of Punk. I worked on the first season of the Osbournes, and then what? And then my, <laughs> Punk. My job. My job on Punk turned into the celebrities are mad that we punked them and they won't sign the release. Can can you oh, work no. something out where we can maybe make it right and make it nice? And then oftentimes, by the way, because you know me in the room, I like to make change that's impactful forever. Not I'm not about sure. this moment. And I would come back and I would say, y'all, <laughs> Christina Million, if you're hearing this, I love you. I, uh, this is a great example. I was like, y'all had Christina auditioning for like a superhero film. You know what those superhero contracts look like for the rest of your life when those residuals are coming in? Like she thought... That's a little too far. Like that, that's going to ruin not only our relationship, but like we're, we're kind of ruining her. Like 
that's like life damaging. Like, like I said yeah. earlier, someone told me I wasn't successful in, in music. I don't know. I could have quit from that. You know, one bad experience, unfortunately yeah. could ruin it. So, um, and they listened, Ashton listened and, and Jason, all the people listened. So, um, again, good to know. Yeah. Uh, cl close at work and, but they didn't, MTV didn't get involved in the business of music you know at that point they would give labels some money to offset the cost of video production so that mm -hmm. labels had a, a budget to start spending on but during my time at mtv when youtube came out and a couple of other for 20 years no one touched music videos because that's what mtv played or vh1 uh, played you know yeah yeah or it was in the nightclubs or something like that yeah right like everyone was yeah. like oh they're doing it not me and now yeah. we're like well they're doing it so it works for them let's do it for us like let's and and that model changed. So yeah. So music yeah. videos went from obviously premiering on MTV to like, are we going to get the world premiere or is YouTube going to get it? And we're like, Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then that, then they that had changed. some competition. So why would okay. why would MTV pay for videos or or partially pay for videos because it was more like an upfront where there's a you know a, a lot of amount that was probably given at the top of the year and then they had to allocate it. Yeah. Um, but this is where we get into bundling and packaging. And as an artist, especially an in, in audio artist, understanding the rights that you have to yeah. sampling and art to all, all of the ways that we know how to, um, to create our own content and own it and monetize around. It's just, again, very different than it was five years ago, let alone 25 oh, yeah. years ago. It's tough for musicians now. Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. And yeah, like you, I saw the whole Napster thing unfold yeah. and now we have Spotify and then there's like, you know, everything that is basically making sure that everything a musician does is free. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> everything tracked, they put out, no one wants to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Tr tracked. And I think they, right. Tracked and traceable, right. IAB. And like, there's certain ways that we feel confident in X amount of downloads on YouTube and on Spotify, like as you, as you say, um, that there's, you know, that those platforms now have relationships with those artists directly versus maybe when I was at MTV, those, those platforms might've had a relationship with the label, even though the labels clearly got Napster to go away. So there's some, you know, they, they saw what was coming, but, uh, but Hey, that's the evolution of the talent brand. You know, that that's just, now, now a lot of the artists that I can think of that are in that example that you just described there no longer have labels. They mm -hmm. became their own. I mean, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Bandy Moore, like these people are like, what? This is my turn. My rules, my music, my team, my term, my people. I want to, I want to control everything from how they experience buying tickets. I understand. I understand. What a painful totally. thing if Ticketmaster yeah. will ruin your relationship of, uh, all the hard work you do to be an amazing empathetic yeah. artist so yeah no one wants that mm -mm. yeah and nobody got yeah. time <laughs> exactly but then still you have artists who are having to make many more dollars than they actually end up with in their pocket yeah to pay not only well their staff yeah no totally understand that yeah, anyone who's working with them but then to pay the labels and to pay everyone that's promoting them and all of this stuff like you need to make a hundred million to make 20 million yeah <laughs> you well, know like I, it's i, love that you said I mean we're the, talking millions yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that you say pay the people you know again i hate i'm like I'm, during my time being it's so funny yeah. to say that but during my 10 years at mtv they got rid of payola plugola and radio like that was a really big 
thing that was happening and it impacted me directly. It impacted me. I went from being invited to go to Cabo to go listen to the simple, the simple plan, you know, out. I don't even think it was simple. It was some, some soundtrack or some album or, or they would be these gigantic experiences that um, equalize it. So it's funny. We talk about artists needing to pay to, you know, get on certain uh, platforms or whatever, but that playola puggle, that's just shifted. That's changed. There's favors. There's, long-term relationships now that are coming from you know big big companies that are supporting these platforms i imagine it's tougher for independent artists especially musicians um to cut through the the sort of premium let's say like the, the top one percent but i would say that in my opinion that the entry level into the industry has changed significantly you no longer need you know, Vinnie Palestivo, MTV casting director, to tap you on the shoulder at an in-sync concert and say, "You got to look." You know, come into you can now create your own content and and be found on your terms, and and, yeah. and that's gigantic. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that, too. Now, back to the podcast. So a quick question for you, then. What would you advise up-and-coming musicians to do now for their careers oh, is there I, something in particular that you would say they should be really looking at seriously yeah create it, <laughs> it to be really blunt and, and honest and serious create it have a short-term plan a long-term plan look mm -hmm. you know I, I don't think there are many actors that are producing their own films that don't have slates that understand time so maybe this year we'll get this project out this year we'll get so, so for me, it's about creating because in creating content, you're able to demonstrate your, it's not even about demonstration. It's not even about fake it till you make it. It's about make it till someone can take it to the next level. And if, if you're mm -hmm. out there creating content, if you're able to give us executives on this side of the table who are buying content or helping distribute content, if you can give us the pieces that we're looking for, or to be really honest, that one unique thing that you do best that no one else does. It could be a, a tone in your voice. It can be the way you're, you roll your R's. It can be the acoustic. It could be so many things that you do that we just need that one example to bring into the, the head of Disney to say why you should be the voice. It, it, it's one example. But what I will say it's harder now is getting executives or platforms to purchase something based on what they believe or what they can't see. So like, you used to be able to say, here's five women. These are the things that are going to do. We don't quite know what's going to happen. Here's, here's some organizing principles. Let's go shoot and 
figure that out. Now there's there they want to know a lot more about what's what what's coming, what's finite about that skill set. And I think that creating content is going to help you stand out and your audience will help you get to where you need to be. We sure. in fact, we're if we're in the creator economy now and you are a creative whether it's an audio or video and you were looking for what's like a, a my five-year strategy, I would strongly lean into building a community. Okay. I would, yeah. I, I think that making more, making sure that the content you create is going to be community building more so than hit a goal or a note or a value that you feel is necessary, but making sure that that goal value that is necessary supports the community. I think the community, the community economy is coming next. The people who can really hold an audience, mm-hmm. there's value in that. And um, look, we're seeing it in TV. Oof, what a yeah. spicy TV season right now with <laughs> real people getting really let go in real time, like real decisions being made from courts and audience sides and executives. Like there's, and, and the responsibility finally in public media where they're creating content that they're not just mindful of, but they're supportive of. There's after mm-hmm. shows and there's resources that are being offered now for these series those yeah it's really mindful but i i think any creator out there create it's the best way to create and if you're having a hard time create then collaborate to be honest good point yeah collaborate and and there's so many awesome platforms now where you can do that podcasting no one owns podcasting ain't no like five people five white (laughs) older men who own the entire industry like television or some other you know we do now, I trust Jody. I'm here with Jody. Like this is her. <laughs> this is your place. Like, sure. How could I? How could I show up? Uh, I'm not nervous about saying the wrong thing in front of a million people on some like news channel where, where no one in that room has control, to say oh. we can remove it. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's always. Yeah. It always seems. And I've been in that room, and it's always like, well, where else is this other room? <laughs> where else? Where else do yeah. we got to keep going? That. It's funny that I think podcasting creates a safe space Mm -hmm. for people to really say whatever they want to say. Now, I mean, that can be for good or bad. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but But they have a right to do that. Exactly. And and it's not funded by a company that's on a stock exchange that has hundreds of millions of owners where they're telling them what they can and can't or should or shouldn't do, you know, per minute. And again, as a creative, finding someone to collaborate with. I mean, at the end of the day, creating for me is about getting an idea from the inside to the outside. So that's walking Jody through a song or telling you about a story that I got to turn into a pro, like whatever that process is, I turn to people. I always have turned to people um, to serve. And I would never, it's so weird to say this. I turned, when I want something most, I turn to people. And when I wanted to be in podcasting so bad a year, two years ago, I really wanted to be in it. I said, how can I make a splash? I said, I have, I'm just going to create, I have a podcast.com as a stage to amplify and see all the people I'm meeting. So I can really get to know you and soak in all of your episodes and then publish, you know, back then when mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep saying back then, back, back then. how back how Wait, far how, back Jody, was this <laughs> Jody, back, back when verification couldn't be bought. This is so weird. Okay. That we're having this like conversation <laughs> of like, is that the timeline yeah. to, to content It's crazy how, how it shifts, but, uh, and, yeah. and those goals. So it was just, you know, so showing up to surf. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.